Hello and welcome. We are back. Sorry about yesterday. I had a load of family troubles and I don't know if you can tell with my chirpy self. I'm quite um I'm feeling quite rough today and I was feeling quite rough yesterday. And, and that's I'm dying. the proof. <laughs> I'm dying. Um so with that being said, we are covering the corrigendum today. Um, and for those of you who don't know what that is, like me, really, basically, the IET put the book out before it's finished, and they messed up a few things, and now they're changing it, and like, oh, no, we've got to quickly change it. That's my that's my take on it. That's the simpleton's take on it. I'm probably not far off, though. The long and short, you're spot on, mate. That's roughly speaking exactly what it is. So we're going to get straight into it today. No chit-chat, no nonsense. We're going to hit the topics straight away. Now... I, as Marco did not have any belief in, have done a little bit of uh, investigations. Excellent. Let's hear it. I didn't really. Uh, these are courtesy of JB, uh, the electrician, who's meant to do it tonight, JB Ox. Um, couldn't do it um, because he's working. And yesterday I had to call it off last minute. So, yeah, it's my fault. Anyway. So, number one change. I don't know how much you know about this. Mark, I know it. I know it well. I know it well. Well, this is why you're here, really, mate. Because <laughs> I thought it was my good looks and yeah, well, charm. No, it's not that. <laughs> I don't know. Pounce, uh, pounce trick. That was glasses. not an invitation. Get to it. Don't even start. I'm too. Uh, do you know what? I'm too ill. It didn't even come out right. It was pointless. <laughs> um, basically, four two two point two. Amended to clarify what re regulation is trying to achieve as a pen. I I'm not even playing. Right, Mark, what is the first change? Four two two point two. That's <coughs> your, your protected escape routes. So when they introduced that regulation, they are saying Sam's just dying and sneezing stuff. They were saying that essentially we were misunderstanding the intent of that regulation, and they've clarified it oh, by. Making it, yeah, exactly, the installer's fault. Making it more clear into the locations it applies. So they're looking at um, firefighter lobbies, lift shafts, stairwells, um, because there was supposedly installers applying this to school, hospital corridors. They've introduced some new wording around hospitals later on in this corrigendum that we'll get to. But also communal areas in offices, the corridors there as well, if there were protected escape routes or not. So now it's very clear. It's only a protected escape route if it's defined by the building designer. And generally, that is for locations that are going to be needed to be accessed by the firefighting teams. So your protected lift shafts, stairwells, lobbies. Um, and you made a great point at the start, Sam. The corrigendum is supposedly to correct errors in a written text. That's the actual terminology. And before we split this all apart and dive into it, it's worth noting that the last agendums would want to... Oh. Bit of a bit of a malfunction there. We haven't lost Marco, have we? What is going on there? Marco's internet is down. What I will say about this, whilst Marco's uh, internet comes back, um, is it Marco's? Might be mine. I hope not. No, it is Marco's. It's listed in some of the tables and charts. Mark. Yes. My internet connection is unstable for some reason. I don't know. I carried on talking because I thought maybe mine would still be streaming into the world of YouTube. I, I don't think know you are. I, I think the gods are working against me right now. 
So I'm just going to lower the band. Right, listen. So they've changed the, the rules. Is this a premature collapse thing? Yeah, well, kind of. You could only install certain cables within those locations. So now they're saying it's to serve lighting in those areas, sockets for cleaning and maintenance, anything else you can't put in. So that's that's the same as what was already so what, been suggested. So, so I've never heard this rig before. That, like, because... I'm only diving into the world of regs now. When has that been a thing? So what type of cables? Is it low smoke, LSF and stuff in, like that? In the last amendments, they were limiting the type and number of cables you could run in protected escape routes. And the idea was to stop them giving off smoke and also the premature collapse issue. So they wanted oh, okay. a, lot, a lot of it removed. And what was happening was the installers were asking, do I need to install compartmentation? So put little false ceilings in, for example, to run all the cables or steel containment. Because in certain buildings, it's the only place for the cables to go. And the IET and the people who write the regs have actually corrected that now is in, in their terminology and clearly defined what they're classing as a protected escape route. So lots of the places we were thinking it needed to be, it doesn't actually even need to be a factor. So this is something that used to wind me up because like, I'm not a regs expert. I barely know what they are. Um, a, a while ago, it's like this cable tying, even in... Like cable tying um, with metal cable ties, even in tr in basket, like and you're like, well, it, that's not what it's for. Why are we doing this? And it's some idiot that's misinterpreted the the uh, the regs and now wants to see that everywhere they look. It's probably someone who has got barely got an electrical qualification, doesn't really understand that the regs ain't the regs are a standard, but they're not, you know, they're not set in stone, are they? I know, and that's a great example you just used there. I mean, are we trying to make the regs wire by numbers and clearly state this is what you need to do in this application, or are we going to leave it open to interpretation and then use education and CPD to teach people the intent of those regs? I think this corrigendum stepped into a new place to the prior ones before they were correcting um, numbers where they've got them wrong in a table or making stickers a bit bigger because they didn't get that quite right or correcting a spelling here and there, although the claim spellings are only connected, corrected in the amendments, this time they're removing regulations. They're including new ones. So this and is we'll really... An there's more of an amendment, this, really. This is it an feels like halfway between, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. What I'll say is, though, it's... I'm, you, like, I'm not the biggest fan of the IT. I think it's a nonsense organisation, really. I think if you can pay for letters behind your name, they ain't worth having. Um, it drives me insane, right? And anyone could go and get your your TIMET, is it T or M1? One of them, you can just pay your, your membership and you're good, right? You can put letters behind your name. That, to me, drives me insane, right? So I stupid shit like that really annoys me. So I don't have much respect for the IT. But on this, on this fact, maybe good for them. There's a problem. We fixed it. What are you moaning about now? And I think it's actually more helpful to the installer to know, have a bit more clarity. I mean, you don't actually have to do what they say if you can justify it. Like, for example, I put in some underground lights. The water table is about three inches underneath the ground. I I did it in the summer, buried them uh, 300 um, mil from 300 mil down, two changes of um, everything else. Guess what? That was a massive issue because they were constantly underwater. Um, so my engineering judgment would have been to raise them up. 
because there's no clear definition on that. But you don't have to stick to the regs. There are guidance. And I think a lot of people don't understand that, for, for one. Um, but it's very nice for the uh, IET to come out and actually go, listen, we've heard you lot don't really know what's going on here. Here you go. I'd say I'm not that, mad at that. I'd say that that's fair to a point. It is worth noting that it's not just the IET who come up with these things. It's JPL 64. And I do feel a bit sorry for Mark Coles in particular from the IET. He did a webinar last night fronted up to the issue and he was trying to explain where the changes come from and what they actually mean, which was was really good. And he is in a bit of a difficult position because some of this impacts into commercial things as well, which we'll speak about later on. And I had, I had the thought, you know, if you're in a crowded space and um, you let one go, so you're, you're making a bit of a smell in that carriage, you're either going to come forward and say, you know, who's done this? Is this someone else in the carriage who's let one go? Or, or you keep quiet, don't you? And I, I, I noticed with the Corrigendum, lots of people coming out on social media who were from the JPL 64 committee, all kind of getting ahead of this, trying to put positive PR out there, that this is a, a good thing. There's nothing really to see here. And that was screaming, um, there's something going on that's not normal. Because usually with the Corrigendum, it's just chucked out as a PDF. Mentioned a little bit here and there. I've got it on, I've got it on my phone at the moment. Um, here's the thing, right? I've a lot of people, um, Jamie included, are like, "Well, I've just bought one. That's now not worth anything. What do I do? Rip out that page, put in a page from the core agenda, and put that in the book." Like, I think that's a bit of an oversimplification, but I do believe that he's right. Like, we've been done dirty a little bit with this. It is embarrassing. The number I've been of watching amend- a lot of American TV done dirty. You know, oh Jesus. <laughs> There's a lot of amendments that come out, isn't there? We've already had that change to do with the EV charge points with Amendment 1. We've had Amendment 2. Now we've got this corrigendum. They're already talking about a draft for public comment for Amendment 3. I know there's lots of changes in the way the technology and things are going on out in industry at the minute, but not to that point and not when they're correcting mistakes. So there has to be some accountability there with all this. I personally think they should open up the minutes for JPL 64 for us to see what's actually discussed and what's going on. And I know they often revert back to BS0 where they're not allowed to do that because as part of the British standards developments, it has to be confined to the committees. But I think based on the number of people inputting into that, they could answer a lot of the questions we have about what actually goes on by making that public. There's a lot of people feeding into JPL 64 from manufacturers, industry bodies. And you wonder, these changes coming now, if they're a good thing, who first put those regulations in place around SPDs in particular, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, one thing at a time, Marco, broken back. Listen, what you're saying is absolutely correct. I just wonder if it's one of those things where sometimes you can be in a certain position. And I say the IET, I feel like a bit of a div now, because actually JPL64 put the stuff together and then the IET published a book, or did I ever say in it? With BSI and the IET, they, they publish and issue it, don't they? So what's IET's role in it? Well, they're on JPL 64 as the oh, committee, okay. and they're the publishers and authors. So I guess they go through a process of fact-checking and producing the document after JPL 64 have come to their decision on what needs to be in it. So it's like a meeting of of minds, JPL 64. Why is yeah. it JPL 64? I'm sure there'll be a reason, but I don't know that, actually. It's a good question. Maybe someone in the live stream comments might be able to tell yeah. us. So moving on a little bit, we're going to talk about what's gone on here a little bit more, but I do want to um, hunker down on the points. 
There's only um, really three or four areas it's changed. The next one's 443 and your SPDs. Oh, okay. No, well, it's not. Go on then, hit me with yours. 443.4.1, okay? We can add some more numbers if it makes you feel better. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, the, with the, with the um, grade D smoke alarms, there was lots of installers who'd started to specify SPDs alongside the installation Stop. of them. What is a grade D smoke alarm? Such basic smoke and heat detectors that you'd find in sort of domestic homes. So if you think Ico about housing... stuff or them yeah, ones that you can just screw to much. the ceiling. Pretty much. If you think of a, a housing association block of flats where they need to be putting smokes and heat detectors in as part of their obligations for looking after the tenants. The issue was lots of these were stopped from being installed, supposedly, because they would also have to include a new consumer unit with an SPD in it to cover off that installation work due to the changes in the last amendment of the regs. Okay, and now they don't? No, they've taken that away now, so you can basically install your smoke alarms. And they, the product standard for the smoke and heat detectors have an element of surge protection built into them, so the manufacturers have to make them withstand a certain surge. Uh, I think it's 2.5 kV. Yeah. So they're, they are quite resistant to those that those searches. So they were saying it wasn't really intended for that purpose, even though it did say safety services in the regs, which you would consider smoke alarms to be. So again, they're pushing that back onto installers, misunderstanding what the regs are telling them. But actually, when you read the regs, it's very clear what they were telling us, and there was no real misinterpretation. They've rolled it back, and a courage engine is an admission of a mistake. They're saying they got it wrong, and now they're taking that out. So my question would be, if you're a housing association and you've spent tens, maybe hundreds of thousands on having smoke alarms and heat detectors put in and the SPDs alongside them, who do you go to in terms of compensation, if you like? Is it back to the installers because they've misinterpreted the regs wrong? Or is it to JPL64 and the people who underpin and stand behind all of that? It's a funny one. That You can never blame the installer because, well, you can if they do it wrong. But if they've done it all to the regs at the time, it's kind of on you, bro. Hmm. Um, without that, it seems that seems like it was a bit of a um, an opportunistic money grab to begin with. Oh, you, you want a fire alarm in there? Well, put up a pan, uh, put up a new fuse board as well with an SPD. Do you know I mean, it seems like a little bit of a hustle, if you ask me. And I wonder um, if the the fire alarm people and the fuse board people and the SPD makers kind of was like, let's push this double win. You might, be, you might, you might be right, and there is a there is a way of installing SPDs without replacing the consumer unit in lots yes, of applications. Is. So I mean, but the, again, the, those SPDs they ain't cheap either, like the standalone ones, are they? No, and I mean, if you look at it, putting it in one person's house where it might cost you twenty five <coughs> to fifty quid, you know, the cost implications seen as small. But if you're a housing association with tens of thousands of properties, that becomes considerably more expensive than just the program of upgrading and installing smoke and heat detectors. So, so people would have rolled out across it, uh, uh, across uh, the housing network. Would have rolled this out when they like new developments and all that. And when you when you really scale it up to, I don't know, say that say worst case scenario, an SPD they buy for thirty five quid, plus a uh, you install it for I don't know fifty quid. That's un well, there's eighty five eighty five quid there, um, and all the houses are being built and all the stuff that's being built. There's a lot of money gone gone into someone's pocket there, or into a group of companies' pockets. 
see, this is the problem, right? And I'm not conspiracy theory. I hate all that shit. But what I do know is people will scheme to take money, to take money from one place to put it into their pocket. That's all we do all time, all the time. Whether we go to work and do it, and some say scheming, some say like that's their method. But when you're at the top of these companies and you're sitting on something like JPL 64, I suppose having that power to influence the way the direction of the, of the, um, see, I'm dying here, of the Rex go. <laughs> I was going to, um, Go on, mate. I'm, I'm going to say I don't doubt the intentions of people on, on JPL 64. I think the fact it is committee-based, it's difficult to kind of get an agenda through based in your listen, own Have you ideas. ever seen that film Payback with Mel Gibson? No. doesn't matter how high you go in any organisation, there's one person at the top. doesn't matter if they say, oh, no, we're a committee. Above that committee, there's always one person that runs the show. That's Possibly. all I'm saying. Well, we'll never know if we could see the minutes of some of these discussions that they've had. We'd maybe get a bit more of an insight into what actually goes on. So I think they could have a lot more transparency there. And that is definitely something I think that they should look at. Um, but yeah, there's the issue of who first brought that regulation into dictate SPD should be used on safety critical services or, or whatever we're going to term it as. And now who's decided that needs to be scaled back? Because the other angle is it's okay saying that the SPD manufacturers and consumer unit manufacturers maybe push that at the start. But who's now pushing its rail back? Is it housing associations who are on JPL 64? It seems like the, the electrician's voice is often lost. And it, I don't like it when it's put onto us. The installers are interpreting this wrong. Corrie Gendam is correcting mistakes that JPL 64 isn't that, made. Isn't that like an ominous name as well? The Corrie Gendam. Like, <laughs> it, it sounds like, I don't know, it's a bit spooky. And like, has anyone really... Like, I had to Google what Corrie Gendam meant. We did this the other week, didn't we? And um, I just wonder about that name. Like, this this is a level I work at. Corrigendum, that's a divvy name. What's in it? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm that guy. So you have to bear with me today, Mark. Just quickly, um, our sole trader on the live chat, CLC TC64 is a European standard. So the 64 probably comes from that. JPEL is a Joint Power and Electrotechnical Committee. I knew someone, I'd know. Someone cleverer than us in the chat. It don't take a lot, mate. Especially when I'm, half, when I'm half dying. Um, so with that said, what is the next one? Uh, it's birthing pools. So that was a bit of a, a weird no, one. What's that even with. an update for, bruv? I think they were on about taking it out at the last amendment or something, but it didn't quite get done. So they've just done it in the corrigendum. That's certainly what Mark Cole said on the webinar last night. And they've kind of moved it into medical locations rather than been in 701, so special location. They've just kind of shifted that across into a different part of your special location. Yes. Do birthing pools, are they heated or are they cold? They're heated. Oh, okay. Just They're basically like a, a fancy version of your lazy spa. I oh, mine's gone, bro. We... Mine's gone. Well, One day, I got so annoyed with it. So, I, right, that's it, babe. That's going. So, I got a bit of pipe. I went to B&Q. So, I'm not letting it out over my grass. Because it's got too many chemicals in it and it'll kill my grass. So, what I did was I went to BQ and I bought some, I don't know, two inch pipe, something like that. Anyway, and I and I got bought a pump from Amazon and I pumped it all out over my fence straight into the drain hole. And then I got my favorite knife, which is over there, and I cut it straight in half. And then I squirreled it up into the back of the car, took it to the dump, 
And the guy laughed at me and he goes, you're not the first person who's bought that in. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, yeah. Everyone's throwing them away. One, they're too expensive. And two, you can never get the water right. And he's not wrong, is he? You could have got a side hustle as like a birthing pool supplier. It's like yeah, obviously know, right? demand for it. They've got it in the regs. <laughs> so you don't need an... So wait, what was what was the... Um... What was the, the, the number of this reg change? So it was in 701 before, and they've re- basically revoked it out of there. And now it's kind of been positioned as part of a medical location in its own right where it would be used. Even if that's been used in someone's home, the argument is that medical professionals are being in control of it and they can make the judgment on if it's safe or not because your home's not really been designed to ever have it in that location. Right. If it's the same as a lazy spa... Wait, hold on. What was the reg change and what was its fundamental principle? Like, what are you... So they moved it to to medical locations. So special... I mean, that's where it's going to apply in the special locations now. So there's all the rules and requirements around that, which are a little bit tougher, to be honest. So with a lazy spa, the special location rules should apply if they're exactly the same. I don't get it. I mean, the, the Lazy Spa has a product standard of its own right. Comparing it in that way probably isn't the, necessarily the right thing to do. So you get a product standard for a Lazy Spa. It doesn't really form part of the regs other than its connected equipment when it's plugged in. Oh, okay. So it's really, your 701 is just the location for containing a bath or shower. Um, obviously, that's a bit less intense in its requirements than the medical location would be. So essentially, you could put these bathing pools up with pretty low consideration. The only problem with that is if a socket's within three meters of it, which usually it would be if you're sticking this up in someone's 100%. front room. So, I mean, the, it's just basically allowing a bit of engineering judgment on the medical professional sides, I think, rather than it being an issue on the wiring reg side. So they've just removed it from it a bit of concern. It like a whole lot of nothing. It pretty much is. It's. I mean, this is the thing. It, I think Jamie said it today. It's like 0.01% of electricians are going to encounter that as being a problem. The only real one that actually impacts us mainly is to do with SPDs, I would say, as a whole. And then, obviously, you protected escape routes if you're involved in bigger commercial projects or you're fitting out offices, hospitals, schools. It's going to play a part then at a design level and then understanding that, you know, when you're installing these systems, that's the reason for it. Why? Which brings us on to the last one, which it's 710. So that's your healthcare locations. And again, to do with protected escape routes and the fact in hospitals a lot of the evacuation isn't really up and down the building it's compartmentation and horizontal so you might move along a ward into a different compartment um, and there's certain rules and regulations that relate to that in terms of protected escape routes and it's actually going beyond our regs i think it's the healthcare technical memorandum or something like that and there's stuff inside there that people need to apply on their installs so they've got their own set of standards in healthcare. So it's not really a big deal, any of this, really. I suppose the biggest deal is the fire alarm, the the fire alarm reg. That's a that's a big deal because obviously it has commercial impact and someone's liable for that somewhere. Whether they whether or not they'd ever be successful pursuing it, I doubt they ever will. I don't think they would. It's like a mountain out of a molehill, but it's it's that application. You've either had projects put off because they didn't have budget to spend on fitting smoke alarms and heat detectors, so they've not been doing it. Or they've done it and suffered extra financial pain because of that. And if some of these big housing associations with a bit of dollar behind them decide to take matters into 
commercial litigation or whatever. Who knows how that will play out? It's certainly way above my pay grade. It's um, it's a funny one, isn't it? It, it just seems like a whole lot of nothing, really. Um, I'm, I actually see it from a more positive view. It's not the end of the world. They've updated a few bits. Program like uh, podcasts like this are going to come out, and someone like you, who's, who's read them and understood them, will put that information out there. The IT have done a fairly decent job of putting it out there themselves. Um, I don't really see a mad problem with it all. Um, they've updated the thing. Yes, like it's not as if this is new information. That when they was doing the 18th edition, they probably punched it up a bit. Like it's on them. But I suppose if you're writing a book every every couple of years, there are going to be mistakes in it. Um, yes, they charge £100 for the book, which I think is a liberty. I think it is a liberty. Um, but at the end of the day, they're just, they're just there doing their job. Like, and it's very easy to make mistakes when you're writing 10,000 word books. Of course it is. And we we do make that argument they should proofread them better. But I've read my own ICR sometimes after I've proofread them, and other people have, and they're never spot on. Yeah, so it is a that. it is a nature of the beast that mistakes will be made, and as long as you front up to them, that's that's all great. And I've got to be fair to Mark Coles, the IET, and Darren Stanifer on the webinar last night. They were doing that. They were engaging with the live chat, answering questions. They've opened up an email address to send questions in for anyone who's got them after so if you've not already watched it that webinar is on youtube now so the it have published it it's out there the live comments are all shown you can go and take it in from mark coles himself and see exactly what he's put forward in terms of these changes yeah it's important it's important we talk about them so people don't get left in the dark it's also important that they make these changes rather than letting us walk into the wall a hundred times do you know what i mean I, f- I find that um I find that really. Um, I, I I actually don't have a problem with the core agenda. Don't call it a core agenda. <laughs> That's the like, only problem with it. The yeah, name. really. Like, but again, I like Reese. Reese, Sam is absolutely wasted. No, I'm not wasted. I'm absolutely ill. Um, I haven't got any whiskey in here. Um, and even if I did have, I couldn't think of anything I want to do less than drink whiskey. Um, he is genuinely, a, genuinely poorly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um. Anyway, I think we've covered that quite well. I quite I quite enjoy these conversations because I get to learn a bit about the, like the technical side of things, and we get to our, I get to ask stupid questions. Um, it's important, like class D fittings and stuff. That- there is the download for the Corrigendum. It's only about five or six pages long. Sam might pop a link in the show notes if you can be bothered, and you can go off and download it and read it. Um, yeah, well, I will have to, wouldn't I? Um, I did want yeah, to talk Mark, about something else if you've got me. if you've got time. Sorry, carry on with your questions. I don't know what my questions are now. I'm completely... When you think about it, right, Mark, do you think that the nature of these ad- adjustments has any sort of um, a, like ominous tones to it? Do you feel like someone's pulling the strings? Or is it just a case of, oh, look, guys, we've, we, don't, we haven't done this right got to go back and, and amend it. We're probably going to take a bit of flack from those who don't understand. Um, but actually, it's a, this is the right thing to do, so we're going to fall on our swords. Yeah, I, I think there's been some people who've maybe come forward after the last amendment with some concerns, and they've corrected the problems that they identified. Maybe there's a bit too much power and weight with manufacturers, maybe. Yeah, um, I think someone just said that. Anthony Bragg, there should be no commercial involvement in writing the regs. 
should be based upon safety and making electrical installations new and existing safer. Uh, and I'll catch up on your YouTube, Marco. Um, I, think that, I, think, I think they should have a voice. Manufacturers should have an input, but I'm not sure how much weight is on that input at the minute and how much they lead the discussion. Maybe I, I mean, we don't know. We don't see how these things build close up. Only people on JPL 64 are going to know that. Um, we're all guessing. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's, it's a strange old thing at the world of electrical. And I mean, just going to change the subject to Tad. I have been out on my own for the last month or so. And I've obviously been keeping my, my eye in, see if there's any jobs locally that might be able to jump on for a couple of days a week and that. I'm telling you now, I don't know about you, but in the commercial world, in, in my part of the country, absolutely dead. Honestly, there is nothing out there at the moment. Not anything. It does seem to have dropped right off, and I've noticed a lot of posts on LinkedIn of electricians looking for work. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the nature of my feed, but I've certainly picked up there seems to be a lot of redundancies and stuff. So I don't know what's going on, if it's just maybe a, a lag in the economy catching up. can't say that, that I've noticed it, especially we're doing okay, but obviously that's just our own small little micro-bubble of business. I don't know what wider industries like, to be fair. See, um, so my, my thing is we're surviving on on my on what i've been doing lately so doing the odd jobs here and there and i've been having a couple of week a couple of days a week with my brother and stuff like that so it's been okay but it's tuesday and i've done all my jobs for the week so i'm a little bit worried about work coming in and stuff as you do when you're when you're self-employed i've only been going a month and i've had some really good jobs some really nice touches and I think this is this is still definitely the way forward for me. But I wonder if it, on the wider scene, that it's slowing down. I think that people are sitting on the, their purses and wallets, aren't they? Definitely. We all see it in our our day-to-day -day lives, putting off bits and pieces we might like to do in terms of holidays or doing a bit of decorating at home or whatever it is. I think there's a lot of that across the economy as a whole. There's companies sitting on their money, maybe not spending where they would normally. Um, projects getting put in on hold. I think house builders have kind of scaled back what they're doing. So there is definitely something going on out in the wider economy. Um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It is. I, I, I'm a bit worried because, you know, life's not easy at the best of times. Now this is happening. Um, I'm sort of relying on these jobs now. It's scary times. It's scary times. Funny story, though. Went to a job this week. Um, Anyone naked? No, no one naked. Um, I had to put in a armoured cable from the back of their extension to their summer house, but I didn't want it the 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 patio dug up or anything like that. So it had to come from a junction box above the window, straight over into the um and I used gripple for that. Okay, nice cantinery wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was quite pleased with that. I was quite pleased with that. I was like, you know, like I use a uh, gripple with metal cable ties. Um, I was quite pleased with myself with that. Anyway, done all the other bits and pieces he wanted me to do. And he counted out the money. And he's an old boy. Probably, I know, I think he told me he's 78. A couple of years ago, he woke up and he was completely paralysed. And he had, and it took him about eight months to sort of get back on his feet and all that sort of stuff. And so when you have some sort of nerve damage or brain damage, your responses don't work the same and you get like very weak almost. Anyway, counting out the money, mate, you overpaid me by about 50 quid. 
So I was just oh, I counted out and I was like, I'll have that. No, I didn't. No. And and I wonder how many tradesmen do this. Like I was like, mate, you've overpaid me. Yeah, I don't want it. Like, and he's like, oh, uh, oh, thank you so much. He's like, my fingers don't work properly. I used to count money all the time, and now, yeah, I was like, listen, it happens to the best of us. Don't worry about it. Um, I, I'm not taking money. I I, I haven't earned. And uh, I, I I went away from that thinking, was it a test? Was it a test? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's the conspiracy theorist in you coming out. Why would he be testing you? <laughs> I think you're on like some BBC catch and watchdog camera program. <laughs> yeah, I did. I thought it might be some sort of um how did the outside lights did you use MYYJ? Oh, what did Mark want to say? I don't know. What did you want to say, Mark? I can't remember now. I think I was gonna tell you about something that was annoying me in, in my world of work. Yeah, do it. Uh it's all the, the the solar and EV stuff. We've had one today where we've put a, a solar inverter and battery system on. Everything's wired up perfect, all tested out fine. You turn it on and it won't discharge the battery to run the house because the products need software updates. So they've been on the shelf two or three months. Manufacturers have seen there was a glitch in a software batch. You can't download the software yourself to load up this equipment. You've got to get on the phone with them. They've then got to dial into it, upload the software, which takes a couple of hours. And you've then got to see if that's actually worked and test it again. And it's all these annoyances as electricians now. We're becoming more like IT experts. And I don't know. It seems way out of our normal wheelhouse to be sat around trying to do this kind of thing. Again, I think that's across the board, though, isn't it? It's like, it's a, I use this all the time. Someone has a laptop and I go, well, you're an electrician, aren't you? Can't you fix it? No, bitch, I can't fix it. There's no way I can fix it. No, I, like, just because electricity flows through it, I can't fix it. Um, and... and with these sort of things, I think it sort of speaks to the, the problem that is in our industry. Like you could go from doing fire alarms one week, you could go to doing um, just normal install, you could go to a commercial job, you could go and, and you do a BMS job. And all these things sort of get lumped in with electricians under the same umbrella, all these different avenues. Um, and you've got to know them all. That's quite, that's quite good. I, f- I find it really annoying that, stuff that's coming out the box needs software updates to work it could be an ev charge point you've wired it in turn it on and the first thing it wants to do is update itself through two or three versions of software like when you get a, you get a new phone you get a new uh, iphone or an android phone whatever it comes out the box generally needs an update doesn't it straight away we're now in that world as electricians but we've got the customers stood looking over our shoulders wanting to use this stuff and see it working it's like what and- do you mean it doesn't work when it comes out the box like it's your fault it's like yeah, we don't build this stuff. You can install not a technician. So it's not an engineer. That was just annoying me today. It's um yeah, I think that would be a wind up because yeah, you really just and the other thing for you is like it's a smash and grab almost solar. You get in, you put it in, and it kind of just looks after itself after that. Like there's not many moving parts, and then the thing that is that say the inverter goes down, they're buying a new one. It's not under warranty with you, is it? That's it. The warranties with the manufacturer on all the equipment. But so you get so a... th- these are the things that like you want to get in there, get it installed, shoot off. Boys, we've done well today. We made four million pounds. <laughs> At the end of it, what you don't want is to spend two or three hours, more four or five hours, fanning about trying to make stuff work that should just be plug and play. Pretty much, and it's but, basic stuff as well. And it's not just limited to one brand; it's across lots of different brands. I've got to say. 
Why am I restricting the number of lines for the comments? I don't really know. I don't really know how this works, bro. I'm not really trying to do anything. Is that on YouTube? Yeah. Allowed, I think you're only allowed 280 characters, is it? I had the same thing. I don't know. I don't think that's you. I think that's a YouTube thing. Grumpy old spark. I think that's grumpy old spark, isn't it? Moaning. Why are you restricting? Listen, I don't know, bro. Don't I don't know anything <laughs> about all this. I barely get it onto YouTube, so don't moan. Um how did the outside lights go? Did you use NYYJ? I did. I still don't like it. I'd rather have used armored. Um, it's just, I don't know. Unless you pull it off immaculately, it gets all funny and you can't get it straight. It, dri- it drove me up the wall. Once you've got it out of shape, it's a nightmare. Getting it fresh off the drum, if you get it right, it looks amazing. But if you don't get yeah, that probably. Correct, you can never get it back straight after that. <laughs> no, I got it. They, I got it off the drum. So they cut it off the drum in a big loop like that. Oh, that's never going to work, mate. Yeah, mate. And I was like, brilliant. Thanks, that. Thanks, that. Um, Paul Cook in the house. Sam, stay honest with your customers. The work will keep coming in. The public want people they can trust. This is my thinking, really, as well. Um, I always try and be honest. I give give very fair prices, and I give them up front. um, And I always sort of, if it takes me quicker, I don't hold them to the original price. I hold them to an hourly rate. I'm really trying to do things a little bit differently and be as kind and um, trustworthy as possible because actually I think that goes a long way in our game. I absolutely hate mechanics because you walk in there and they go, and you're like, mate, I just, this just come off of the, uh, this just come out of the uh, showroom. There's nothing wrong with it. I just bought it here to see if you do that noise. Now I know. I hate people like that. Um <laughs> Word of mouth and reputation is everything for any tradesperson. So doing a, a good job and being a, a decent person goes a long way. You know what else happens? This is something you don't know if you're if you're a commercial electrician. Two things happened on that job, that summer house job as well. Another thing happened. It's kind of my fault, right? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take this on the chin. So the armored was already in, right? So the armored was already in. And but it, and he was just like, no, let's just put it over. I was like, no, we're going to gripple it. And then, so I did that. Um, I re-glanded it. So it's nice. Went into my box all nice. And then done all the other bits and pieces. When I switched it on, trips off the RCD. Now the alarm's going off. <laughs> the alarm's going off. And, mate, it is so loud. I'm like, what is going on here? Anyway, so I'll turn it all off, phone the alarm company because they don't have the code. And uh long company goes, oh, we'll have to pop round, blah, blah. I was like, well, these... Anyway, long story short, they didn't have to pop round. However, do you know what the problem was? I've Go just on. got a cough. I'm also... Sam's just dying off the camera. <laughs> yeah, I'm dying. <laughs> do you know what the, the problem actually was? Some absolute knobhead who had installed that armoured used a grey as earth and the black as neutral i hate that that really bugs me i was like i should have checked it i you know it's one of the things i should have checked in the box i should have been i should have popped it off all right bosh and changed it around i would never have left it like that but i was like how's that a problem anyway that went off and it went up and i've done another job 
later on that afternoon, and that alarm went off. This is something you've got you've got to identify at the beginning now. Have you got an alarm? Do you have the code? Go and get it just in case. That's domestic spark 101. Cover your backside with the alarms because usually the backup batteries that are in them are dead. They don't work. But you can guarantee the battery in the sounder, that works a treat. <laughs> yeah. And, and and you'll get that the, the old adage, well, it worked before. Oh, okay. Yeah. You Sorry. touched it. You yeah. worked. Well, it worked before. Um <laughs> Yeah, so that was that. That was my thing. Um, what was the other? Yeah, so yeah, number one tip: ask them if they've got an alarm. Ask them if they've got the code, and if they don't have the code, have they got the number for the people who installed it or service it regularly? Because actually, that is a nightmare. Yeah, the alarm goes off after twenty minutes, but it's still going to be beeping and making a racket until you turn it back. Every time you turn it back on, it's a nightmare. Um, yeah, I wish we could have some master code, but then we'd all be burglars, wouldn't we? Well, maybe the slightly rural <laughs> the monsters would be, yes. Yes. What have we got here? Um, Solax have a problem with their 5.8 kilowatt batteries. Not having the leads in the box, and they won't send them unless you ring and say they're not in the box. Would you not know about that? that no, we use quite a lot of the Solex stuff, and I've not had that in any of mine, but I will be very annoyed if it starts turning up without leads. That would really, yeah, not good. Um, Sean uh, Dempsey, big shout-out to Sean. You'll have no trouble getting your business going and getting going and get the job in. Sweet. Um, they've not... Have they got the engineer's code for the alarm? Probably not. This is what I'm saying. And you talk to the alarm guy, he's like, well, you know, it's kind of my business. I ain't going to give you the number, am I, you dickhead? <laughs> um, Abdul Seaforth, welcome. Uh, touched it. You only had to walk past it. You're not wrong. You've got to be so careful in a customer's house. Oh, mate. So I really and truly, my go-to light, I've fitted maybe about 20 of them since I've been going. It's the JCCV 50s. Yep. Right, they were good, solid light, and they? They're okay, yeah. Right, okay, that's a no then. What light do you use, Marco? No, the JC, they're not bad. They're not bad. I know some people, everybody has a dislike of every single brand of LED lighting because they're all pretty pants, to be fair. You speak to any spark, some of them will tell you JCC are rubbish, some people say Collingwood are rubbish, some Ansel. I don't think there's any real fine rule with lighting. It's all a bit gash. I do like, I do like them. And they get the big disc and the little disc um, for covering up the holes. That's always handy. It is. Now, I took out an old JCC light um, today. Um, it's a sealed unit. Um, but it had these, you know, like, you know, the spring loaded like things that the flaps yep. on them that flick down and induce the most pain you've ever felt in your life for about 15 seconds. But these ones didn't have that. They had like a different one, which had like, you imagine the spring that holds it into the ceiling. It had a smaller little outcrop. Yep. That was like, a. Oh, it's also like a mechanical spring, isn't it? So you push it up, that pushes it and holds them down in the plasterboard. Yes. You yes. try taking that out without ruining the customer ceiling. They are really difficult. And lots of the old GU10s all, and then our 16s used to all be fitted like that. You'd end up with gouges out at each side of where it, where it was that you've got to try and make good. Mate, I I was like, what is going on here? It's like, not a little bit either. Not like you're covering it up. 
I was like, what am I going to do here? And I said to the guy, I tried to explain it to him, and he's like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, mate, I've got to fix this. So, <laughs> bit of luck. The other day, I bought some one strike because I was chasing in a um, chasing in a box and stuff like that. And I thought, just have a little bit, touch it up. Shows you've made an effort. So I had to go and get my one strike out and start banging the one strike up there. But he'd done it on every single one, and I'd try to pull it down a little bit and then get a screwdriver. Mate, there must be a secret method to them, but they are truly the most nonsense. They are nonsense, and usually someone's painted them in as well to make it even harder. So yeah. you've got all the paint that peels off around it um, and then trying to make it look half decent afterwards. I think when they were first put in, they were always expected to stay there as long as the ceiling. It's like GU10 lights, aren't they? So you just swap them in and out with the cans, but... Actual fixed LED lights should never have clips like that because you're going to have to take it out to replace it. That's a nerd. Yeah, it, it, it was murder. Um, but again, they're all sorted now. That was a job today. That was a nice little job. Um, he was a banker, right? Banker, um, retired now and lives in Whitstable. And he wanted these shaving light fixed. You know, like them really pony things that go across the top of yeah. the mirror. I wouldn't have one in my bathroom if you paid me. <laughs> um, anyway, it's broken, so I take it off the wall. Mate, it had screw five inch screws in it, and I'd left my impact down in the car. I was like, mate, I'm going back down. But after getting one out, I was like, mate, why not just go and get the impact? It'd be more effort to take this next screw out than walk all the way to my car. Like, I had that in in a loft where I think I had two saddles to put up on a, a little. Um, DC bit of conduit I was I was hanging and I'd left the impact in the van so it was getting out the loft, going down the stairs, go get the impact, come back. Oh, I just had my screwdriver in my pocket. I got halfway through the first screw. I was like, nah, I'm not doing this yeah. anymore. Yeah. Down the steps, impact yeah. driver, bosh. <laughs> but with that, I was like, so I'd done, I, I tested the driver and stuff, it's knackered, right? It's got a big crack on the front, like where they put it in, moved it and it's cracked like the shaver thing who even uses them like they're old school, aren't they? anyway look it up on online screwfix do the exact same one 35 quid i was like you get that i'll come back and fit it for you oh no i don't want to spend any more money on it can you just put it back on the wall i was <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> yeah here we go <laughs> but it's all right 35 quid well like well it's 35 quid plus my hourly rate, but in the day, like... There's certain elements of maintenance that you're going to have to front up for, and 35 quid isn't the biggest amount in the world, is it? To have something that's safe and works? Mate, I just... It's not unsafe, it just doesn't work. And I was just like... And the, the covers broke on it. I was like, mate, just fix up your ass. I've even gone down and got one... You're moaning about the, the holes around the, around the lights. What are you talking about? This is mental. Let's have a look in here. So uh, right, just press that wrong button. Tim Larson, have they not? Have that? No, we've done that. Sometimes James Kane. Sometimes I end up killing power to it, then pulling the battery. Silences the alarm in no time. <coughs> well, if you've got your big ladders to get up to the sound of that, that's is what I'm saying. Too. They're usually all the way up there. I'm working out my car at the moment. I haven't got ladders that go that far, um, and. I had to do it. I had to do it off a wheelie bin in my old flat when we first moved in there. It was going off and going off, and we'd been in there one day, and it was going off at like eleven o'clock at night for some reason. Got up there, um, well, got the wheelie bin over, clambered on top like a buffoon, 
um, and was undoing it, took the battery out, finally got it got it shut down. But I mean, what? No, I'm not doing that. That is <laughs> that is too much work. Um, self-contained bell modules sound as soon as the control wire feeding the module stops sending its feed. Just pray it had 20 minutes cut off. Yeah, it doesn't always have 20 minutes cut off, does it? Um, listen, guys. Pam's <laughs> dying. He's just so ill. I'm done. I'm done. You've done really well, mate. I now pull you out. You've been a proper pro and got through that with about a million sneezes. You muted every single one. So I think everyone in the comments should give Sam a massive round of applause. We've done it. <laughs> um, this is the episode that was never meant to happen. So, Electrician Podcast, we out.